Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. We are episode 14. Uh, Jim Reamer, as always, joined by Zach Tyler. Zach, how's your week been? It's been going well. Uh, weather's finally been nice. Been getting to the pool. Been getting outside a lot. Daughter started uh, softball practice tonight, so that's exciting. We're social distancing. We're doing all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Limited amount of parents are uh, accepted into the practices, and the they do a good job of sanitizing everything and keeping the girls apart for the most part. Remember that part when we get to the, um, the AAU stuff that we're sure. going to talk about. Yeah. So, um, cause obviously we've been practicing as well. And, and I mean, we're adhering to state rules, but at the same time I've seen some other and heard some other issues or not issues, but some other processes, um, that maybe just because we're just a couple of teams practicing in the same gym, we don't have to worry about. But anyway, um, yeah, down here, it's been great. People are semi-cautious, doing a lot of outdoor dining, which is really nice, uh, kind of in, in the area where I live in. Of course, tonight, it's police on every intersection. And Indianapolis having an 8 p.m. curfew and – wondering if people in that area will try to find other areas to protest or other areas to, um, I think protest is the best word because I kind of support it. I mean, I definitely support it, but, uh, some of the more serious stuff is a little bit harder to, yeah, for sure. Justify. But, um, there is a policeman at every, there's police car, almost every intersection in the general downtown Carmel area. And I don't, I don't know if it's warranted or not, but uh, they're there, and and it's uh, people are milling about, dining and walking and hanging out with their kids, and it's, it's kind of nice. Once this thing, once stuff kind of gets back to normal, not just with the Black Lives Matters, but the uh, you know the, the COVID get and stuff, um, it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good area to be in, but. Um, so moving on to basketball, first we need to really make up for a huge mistake we made last week. Not more than probably three minutes after we got done podcasting, I put a tweet out. I'm sorry, when we published it. Oh, right, yeah. I put I put a tweet out saying something to the effect of, not sure that uh, anybody's done what Christian Lander has done within recent memory. And right, right away, there were three obvious ones that were brought to my attention and, and um, mildly embarrassing. But, but really, Caleb Swanigan, Musa Jallo is the most recent one. And then before both of them, Matt Carlino, although it's a, he's just kind of a unique situation. But all three of those guys within the last decade reclassed, was it down, up, up? probably is the be- is the terminology you want to use so they yeah. could graduate from high school sooner. Yeah. Go to college. And my point with Lander was I I get if you have a motive for doing it, but I'm 
betting, there's mixed reviews on if it helps a player get to where they want to be any necessarily any sooner. Um, and we talked about Race Thompson. So it's kind of mixed reviews. Like so far, Musa Jallo has not been a factor at Ohio State. Right. Um, I know, especially early on his freshman year, he had some starts and everybody was – I know I was pretty vocal when he decided to do it that I just don't think it's a good idea. But he did have some starts early on, but then it's it's really been few and far between on on his production value. And then last year, of course, he redshirted because of an injury. So it just remains to be seen what he'll be like with his final two years. Um, if it made sense. Really, he's right back where he started. He he really is. And, you know, looking back, I don't, I don't think this is one of those things where you, you have deep regrets. You know, you missed your senior year of high school. Maybe you do, but I'm a big believer in, especially when you talk about NBA kid or guys leaving early to go to the NBA. Once you move up a level, you are now on their dime. You know, and I don't, we don't want to get too deep into this. We just, it's just not a foregone conclusion that these guys who people think are good enough to do that, where it just works out. Now, Caleb Swanigan worked out pretty well. Um, And he's not had, he's probably not had the NBA career that he hoped he was going to have. And the whole motive from him doing it was presumably to get to the NBA sooner. And it, it just hasn't worked out. And and again, it, it goes back to this. You're, you're, there is some logic that says if you can get to that next level, you'll be developed to play at that next level. You know, when you go from high school to college, there's more time to work on your game. It's not as restrictive as high school especially when it comes to working with coaches or, or maybe not coaches at the college level, but resources like managers, like pretty much access to gym space, 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Facility. High school, high high school. You don't have that unless your best friend's the janitor. And I mean that sincerely because I know plenty of kids who were smart enough to befriend their school's janitor to where they can either get in or not get kicked out. Um, But with um, you still have this baseline that you come in at from where you from where you start that if you're not ready to produce right away, then you're on the clock, and you're on the clock not producing. Would Jallo have benefited from another year of high school? And there's no question he probably improved his game more his first year at Ohio state than he would have his last year at Bloomington North, but he entered Ohio state worse than what he would have entered if he had played another year at Bloomington North. Yeah. So he would have been more ready to produce as a freshman. Um, so did he, did he lower his ceiling by doing that? You think? No, I don't think his ceiling changed. I think he lowered his floor. Okay. None of this changes a player's ceiling. And that's sort of the point. You know, I don't know what Swanigan's draft status would have been if he'd have left Purdue after one year. 
with him, it, with him, there was some obviousness to it. He needed to improve his ability to face the basket and, and make plays, you know, make shots and make decisions and, and, you know, whether or not, whether or not that's, if he can go deep enough with that, you know, so far it hasn't materialized. But there's a lot of guys like that that fall in that category, and and there's no questioning that his he he didn't he's a little bit more of a definable case. He was a guy that had to change position, and you know he was smart by staying to Purdue for one more year to try to develop that. And it's it's one thing is he definitely improved. The question was was did he improve enough? You know he was a late first round pick. You know, you would a power forward with with face up skills is probably getting drafted sooner. Yeah, there's some questions in Swanigan's case about ability to what, what positions can he guard? Can he guard stretch fours? Can he guard fives? You know, so he's sort of a tweener. Yeah, offensively and defensively, and and I think that's resulted in in what role he has. But Jallo, and you can't foresee injury. But but Jallo's situation, he just should have stayed at Bloomington North. I don't know what the big motivating factor was uh, in, in him doing it, but he would have been better heading into college with an extra year. And it's clear that a year of development at college, at Ohio State, did not help him get much more going from freshman to sophomore year. Yeah. Um, now how injured was he at the end of his sophomore year? I don't know. I I don't know. I didn't read enough yet to, to see how he, what led to his, his red shirt year other than his ankle injury. I mean, he had reconstructive ankle in surgery, but I didn't, I didn't dig deep enough to see what, what led to that. If it was something that was nagging him his sophomore year or what, um, but just a guy that, that should have stayed at Bloomington North. And I mean, if, if being productive matters, you know, again, it's hard to knock Swanigan for leaving early, but if you don't have the NBA career you want, do you, do you miss your final two years of college when you, maybe you could have led Purdue, you know, onto bigger and better things. Yeah. And, and that's a t- hindsight. It's not fair. I mean, you know, Caleb, Caleb doing going to Purdue early. Probably not a bad idea. At least from a standpoint of he was a guy that was probably a year older than a lot of kids in his current in the 2016 class. Age wise, was probably more of a 2015 kid. And you know, they just won a state championship at Homestead. I'm not sure much more what he how much more he could do accomplish at the high school level. But um, obviously these guys were in position academically to do it. And um, I, I don't know. I Caleb's situation is probably a little different too because of positions they do play. I mean, Caleb's not going to find anybody his size at the high school level that he, that's going to bang in there with him and give, give him much of a challenge. You know what I mean? I, I know in his – that is absolutely right. And I know in his case – the thought was he would get to the NBA sooner. 
and I also know in his case that after his freshman year, the idea was, you know what, he needs more time. And I completely respectful uh, of that and, and smart on his part. Oh yeah, no doubt. But it really, it just depends on what your goals are. You know, it's, it's, I mean, he's had a better NBA career than, (laughs) than 99.9% of the people on this planet. You know, so he's a, he's attained something that a lot of guys dream their entire lives to do and, and don't ever get a chance to do it. Uh, you know, the question – and really, if we're just sticking to the subject of leaving high school early, clearly he made the right choice. Yes. It, or it did not – it did not impact him negatively. Uh, you know, Jallo is a case where we've, I've said it twice now. He should have he stayed a senior year. Uh, he, he's not produced at any level that suggested it was beneficial. Um, he did not have the injuries in high school that race Thompson did for Indiana. And, you know, races continued to have some injuries and, and that are unrelated to what he was dealing with at high school. And, and Musa in his defense has had an injury here recently that has nothing to do with his high school career, but, but I'm not sure what he gained by it. The the Carlino situation moves over from Arizona. Supposed to be part of the 2011 class. Was with a really good group of kids at Bloomington South, and then commits to Indiana, and then decides he's going to leave high school early, and then decommits from Indiana, sits out a year, and goes to BYU. And statistically. Spends three years at BYU having good years. Becomes a grad transfer to to Marquette his senior year. Has another statistically good year. Uh, Had some, you know, some pretty eye-popping games. But overall, um, not a wholly efficient player. Um and defensively just average at that at those levels. But probably 50-50 on whether or not he should have come out early. I mean, I guess statistically he's he proved he could compete you know BYU's league. I don't know that he would have played as much as he as a freshman at Indiana that he did after redshirting and going to BYU, but but a little bit harder case to, I guess, get too deeply into because he only spent one year here in Indiana yeah, in high school. But, I mean, he was definitely very good at high school level. And, and again, he did have some good years. I don't. Did you ever see him play at all? Not that I recall, no. No. He, lefty. And I remember they played Carmel. He, he – my big my – big, uh, knock on him was he tried to make everything look so difficult. Everything, and I'm embellishing the everything part, but a lot of times he would try to turn the simple play and try to make it big. And I think in college, his assist turnover ratio sort of reflects that. Yeah. The ball stuck with him a lot. And, you know, and that's fine at the high school level when you're, putting in 20, 23 points a game, whatever it is he's scoring, you know, and he's, 
I mean, Bloomington South had some, you know, had some good kids. Um, Spencer Turner was a really good shooter. 2011 class that, that, um, oh, I'm going to draw a blank. He went to Belmont or Lipscomb, one or the other. I get those two schools mixed up sometimes. Um, right down the road from each other. They are. They are indeed. And I've been to Lipscomb a lot over the years, uh, when especially when they were not a Division One school when Don Meyer was there. But, but, I mean, he walked into a loaded situation, kind of sketchy on how he got a chance to go to Bloomington South without, without being ineligible for a year. But that's a whole other discussion that we probably won't ever have on this podcast. But not for any other reason than it's just it was a decade ago, not too relevant. But, um. But yeah, he he uh, he just didn't get much. We definitely didn't play for Indiana, so I think a lot of people around here just kind of forgot about him. But those are the three most recent situations where kids have left high school early to go to college, and I I would say the jury is really out on whether or not it's a good idea. Yeah. You know, Lander, we'll see. He's gonna, you know, the, that was the original discussion last week. Lander will. Okay, so Rob Fennessy is a starting point guard. Al Durham is a starting shooting guard. They're both coming back. They're healthy. And you've not seen Lander a whole lot, if 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 much at all. Yeah. If healthy, I don't think – if those guys are healthy, I don't think he's starting. Right. So how will that play out? I don't – you know, that'll be the thing, is how does that play out. And we said Leal's so. a better shooter for the, the two spot, right, than, than Lander would be. Um. No, no, no. I think Leal is a better shooter of the three normal 2020 kids. Oh, okay. Leal's the Leal's the best shooter between Galloway and Geronimo. Okay. The question with Lander will be, if he's playing with Finnessy, then I use small in the backcourt. Yeah. That's the only <clears throat> Okay. That's the only side issue there. Right. Played a lot off the ball at rights this past year. And hit some tough shots against Carmel. But he had to hit tough shots against Carmel. Because, uh, I mean, we've, we've got a kid that guarded him really well. I mean, he, I think he had 21, but it was a rough 21. And did not take any shot that I thought, ooh, I'd like to have that back. The ball did stick with him a decent amount. You know, but I don't know how much of that is a function of him or how much of that is a function of, hey, they just wanted to get him off a couple screens and then let him go to work. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not as high on Owen Deese as some people are. And that's their, that was their second most productive player. And then their, their other guard, um, God, I forget, football player who really played the point for them. And then they've got two kids. They've got a good incoming sophomore, Isaac Higgs. His older brother, Ethan, was a guy that plays multiple positions for them. And, um, I mean, Wrights will be still be pretty good this year. They just won't have Lander. So, But I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll come in and start. A lot of IU fans think he will. Some IU fans think he should. But you're talking about Fennessey, who, when healthy – is really good. Yeah. 
and did and did more got McCutcheon further than Lander ever got Evansville rights. And I mean, Tennessee took McCutcheon to the state finals. Yeah, I remember watching them his senior year at in Logan Sport Regional. Loved him. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was not the year he took him to the finals. You know, they went to the finals in 2016 when, because they had Hayden Deaton, their yep. second best player, maybe under-recruited a little bit, but goes to Grace. So it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like Fennessey was paired with, you know, definite Division One, yeah, caliber kids. I mean, so he, Fennessey did more at McCutcheon. Fennessey and Deaton did way more at McCutcheon than Lander and Deese ever did at Wrights. We we say this like these are 10, 15 year careers. Right. <laughs> but. And the two times McCutcheon didn't make it, they got beat by a team that got the finals. So I'd have to go back and check on that. But I know one year was Carmel and they got beat by Warren. So um so anyway, that's that's the Lander thing. Anything to add on that before we move on to No, I don't think so. I think we need, we patched up what we needed to there, kind of re- recovered a little maybe. Yeah, it was embarrassing. <laughs> and it's my fault. Yeah, we we, Man, I we both can do. Uh, we both can do our. Yeah, yeah I get that, but no, it's <laughs> all right. These are guys I know. I mean, I look. Swanigan was originally class two thousand sixteen. My brain's a fog of. 2016, 2017, 2018. Although 2017 was so damn talented. Well, and as soon as you sent but, you messaged me after we found out those names, I, I remembered Musa right away then too. Yeah. The Carlino one's kind of hidden. But, and I should have, we should give credit to the three guys on Twitter that threw those names at us. But the Swanigan one upsets me because I mean, not only did he fall back into a class that I coached, he um, played with – we had the other two D1 guys there from Homestead, Jordan Geist who went to Missouri and and Dana Bat who went to Colgate. So, I mean, that was a good group. Really good group. Yeah. So – and they beat Evansville Wrights <laughs> in the finals. <laughs> so, um, all right, moving on. So – Last week, you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about AAU practices, and I thought, well, let's just wait a week until teams start having them. Yeah. Not not that we're going to have presence in, presence inside any of these places, but but then l- earlier or middle of last week, EYBL announced that they were they were basically eliminating their season this year. I, I didn't know it was still in question. I, I know some of it was going to be based on maybe what the NCAA might do. But I, I didn't realize that there was still consideration that 
Under Armour, Adidas, and Nike would still have events. But what what did you think when you when you saw that? I'm curious what your first thoughts were. Well, obviously, I think of the first the one I thought about was Peach Jam right away. That's usually middle July, right, in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it varies from year to year. Okay. Last year it was that first open period because the NCAA changed their calendar. Okay, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of these virtual, virtual uh, meetings and everything, Zoom meetings going on with all these guys right now. So, I mean, obviously nobody's getting to see him play, but I think it's good for the coaches and players to get a chance to actually talk to each other, maybe learn a little bit more about each other as well, programs and stuff, and then about the kids too. But yeah, the well, yeah the recruiting. Say so the recruiting side of this is going to change. I think for a long time. Oh yeah, because I think that the Zoom stuff is, at least for my money, it would be wildly popular. Yeah, especially if you're recruiting a kid. You know, it's it's, and I know a lot of these guys FaceTime, so the Zoom stuff's not as new. Is not as new, in the recruiting game as what people think. It's just they use. They're using tool. Zoom instead of Face. Yeah. yeah, they're using Zoom instead of FaceTime. They're doing group stuff, and um, but I mean, I know some kids that they like to FaceTime versus talking the phone. It's texting, FaceTime, and then talking on the phone in that order. Yep. With with kids coming up. Well, and even ahead of texting, it's direct messaging on Instagram or or whatever <laughs> their social media platform of choice is, and. Yeah. You know, and as a coach that, as someone who is squarely involved in social media a lot and have been for a very long time, and as somebody who does take a little bit of responsibility on making sure the kids I coach understand ramifications of social media, you know, I've got to, I've got to dabble in Instagram. I've got to dabble in Snapchat and make sure these guys aren't putting things out that they shouldn't be putting out. Um. But the EYBL stuff, back to the point, you know, a friend of mine suggested that, you know, all these events now should take the, you know, follow the lead of the EYBL and, and not have events for, you know, the, the, the issue of it is being, you know, for safety reasons. And, and I get that. Yeah, for sure. There's still a faction. I think we're. I think the country on this COVID stuff is split in thirds. There's people who are hyper vigilant and like, oh my god, we should stay in. We should be afraid. We should. Then there's those who never took it seriously. Yep. And then there's kind of people like me, maybe you, that are in the middle where we're never. We're not going to get rid of it anytime soon, and we're not going to be in isolation for for eighteen months. So we're going to have to learn how to live with it vigilantly yep definitely um but that doesn't mean you go all willy-nilly all you know you dive headfirst in the pool of diseases and viruses i mean i'm still rolling around karma with a mask on um mostly when i grocery shop or or you know go into dicks or go into coals or go into haven't made it to the fashion mall yet but yeah same thing um, with me here in south bend but I grocery shop, I'm wearing a mask. Uh, I go into a restaurant, I'm probably wearing a mask in, probably wearing a mask out, not wearing a mask when I leave. 
not wearing a mask at practice, though. We've had six practices. Uh, not wearing a mask there. Yeah, when I was at the ballpark, um, when I was at the ballpark tonight, there was I didn't see anybody with a mask on. And a lot of it is because I know who I'm with. Right. When I'm in a when I'm in a contained environment, I'm not nearly as worried as I am when I'm around strangers or people that I don't know what their habits have been. That doesn't make it 100% safe by any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. But it is but it is the calculated risk that I'm taking and and when you get these events, my friend who's like they should just shut it down, I I get it. But I still think that the EYBL stuff, the the Adidas Gauntlet stuff, the Under Armour Association stuff and is just a different world because it has way more to do with logistics. No, oh, yeah, it definitely does. Than these other events have to deal with. You know, Nike has 40 teams. They got to figure out how 40 teams are going to travel. They got to figure out. And I don't I don't mind them if they came out and said, "Hey, we're we're cl- we're shutting down these events because we don't know how we're going to handle the logistics of it." Uh, and as much as it costs these shoe companies to sponsor these teams to be able to afford their travel expenses and and some of these programs aren't getting as much money as you think. Some of these programs are only getting money to cover their 17-year-old team. But that's still a lot of money. And if you multiply it out by you know, some of these programs are getting anywhere from 80 to 90,000. dollars Some of these programs are getting 10 to 15. But even if you took 10 to 15 and multiplied it out by 40, it's a lot of money. May not be a lot of money to Nike, but it's a lot of money to somebody's budget. Yeah, definitely is. And if they can't recover a lot of it because they have to limit how many people can come watch, how many people can pay to get in, it becomes a business decision. And I don't, I don't begrudge them one bit if that was the final nail in their decision or the final piece in their decision. I don't care if it was 90% of why they did it. You know, these are still businesses that have to operate, you know, that have to operate underneath a budget. But I I think it had way more to do with logistics. And some of those logistics do involve safety. Like, are we really going to put teams on planes? Are we really going to force a team from California? Not that they couldn't reshape some of their events to be more regional than national, but we're really going to put teams in California on buses so they don't have to fly? Uh, are we going to – I mean, the logistics behind this are vastly different than Grand Park or Best Choice or or USA Youth Hoop stuff that is hosted primarily at Warren Central and Fishers or at Best Choice. Those are just local teams or even area teams that are driving in, driving home, and going to bed in their own in their own going to sleep in their own beds. It's just a it's just a completely different environment than anything that a national type event has to put up with. And the bigger these corporations are not not just with Nike and not just with basketball, but the bigger the corporation, the sooner they have to make decisions. Because people are making plans, they're making airline, they're buying airline tickets, they're getting hotel rooms. 
these are things that have to be done in advance. And, you know, they had to make a decision. I don't begrudge them one bit, regardless of what their motivation is. I don't think it's as much about worrying about the the pure safety of it all. I do think it's as much of a logistics and business decision as anything. But and I don't even say that in a critical way. I just think it makes sense oh, yeah, because they, there's a lot of money at stake. I agree. You don't want to put all these kids in danger and their families in danger when traveling across the country. No. Well, and it, and it, and it doesn't hurt them. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt. Again, the kids it hurts the 2021 kids. This is their most important summer for most of them. I mean, there's what, seven kids that have committed in, out of Indiana right now? Maybe eight. Um, but those are the kids that are impacted the most. And there is some talk that the NCAA will have open, open weekends in August, September, October, one of each. And my presumption would be if they have one in October, it would be a scholastic, a scholastic location only like, like what we would have in June. Um, I'm preparing for one weekend in August and preparing for Labor Day weekend to be open and for AAU teams to be able to play in events that college coaches can come to or that NCAA coaches can come to. Um, if it's any different, I think that'll be disappointing, but I'm coaching a younger age group. I'm not overly worried about the exposure element. But these 2021 kids, I think they need as much of it as they can get as long as it's – as long as we're progressing. Yeah. As a – in the phases, I think the one thing the Trump administration has tried to do right is that. And in Indiana, we're essentially, we, we moved into stage three, which would be phase two. We moved into stage three, three days early. Unless you live in, <laughs> unless you live in Marion County, Cass County and, and Lake County. Right. <laughs> and there was a, there was a fourth one. There was a fourth one forget um and the numbers are going the right direction and we'll see what happens with all these people especially in downtown indy protesting and coming together and probably not spending a whole lot of time worried whether or not micromanaging how they communicate with each other right not much sanitizer i've seen a lot of masks right I've seen a lot of masks, but I don't, you know, it's human nature to want to shake somebody's hand, fist bump, half hug, whatever you do, full hug, whatever you do. It's pretty easy, but, but assuming we progress as we have, we, we're probably still going to have some AAU basketball this summer. Kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Me too. So practices are going on. Anything you, what do you want to know? You were, we were talking about you asking some questions, maybe if you had any. Oh yeah. Uh, so what are you doing to versus limit? Versus me. Yeah. What are you doing to limit? Say versus me just rambling on. <laughs> what are you doing to uh, limit contact and stuff in practice with maybe parents or are parents allowed in your practices? 
They are. Uh, they, they and they do a pretty good job of keeping to their own people they already know. Yeah. We've got some access to private gyms, which is nice. Uh, so we are able to be pretty isolated. I know other programs are using bigger facilities and they're practicing four, five, six teams at a time. So they've been limiting their parents, the ability for their parents to come in. Yeah. We're well under the, the what is the state limit now? Is a hundred? It's either fifty. It's either it's either fifty or a hundred. We're well under that. Um, I get gym time alone, and then we share it with another team with our other with our other team in that age group on on, on another day. So we're going one day a week on our own. Uh-huh. Um, then usually the day we share it. We go in a half hour early and and use the half hour. If we get to have the full court to ourselves. And then we, then the end of that practice, we scrimmage. It's, it's fun. I mean, we're, look, we're not, we're, we're garden people. Do you know? Yeah. We're not socially distant in that regard. Maybe I don't, we've had no, no reservations from parents whatsoever. I have polled them. I've emailed them. Um, that's what I was going. That's my question was going to be was how how parents have felt about it since the beginning. I have given them the option of sitting things out. We have one kid that uh, that we have talked to about playing. His parents aren't comfortable yet. We're keeping that open, and I've told them we're keeping that open until and unless we find somebody else. But it would be it'd have to be a pretty specific situation for us to take a kid that besides this one um, but the only other parent that's expressed any reservation was in the context of as long as things are looking good we're in yeah you know nobody else has been like and I and I've got the subset of parents who have been like yeah, this has been overblown from the beginning I've I've got that right I've got that sample size or I've got that sample in my groups. Um, and we, we did some stuff, especially early, in, especially in late March when we were about ready to get going. They wanted the practice. And it really came down to this. We've got people that drive like a decent distance to get here. Yeah, sure. And what we didn't want to do was have them Okay, you get pulled over. Let's say you get pulled over for speeding. You know, the police are looking for any reason to pull you over when it's non-essential, when it's only essential travel, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get pulled over for speeding, they ask you the question, "Where you know, why are you out? I don't think AAU practice is one of the acceptable reasons. No, I don't think that's on the list. So I did, we didn't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> I I don't think that any of our group other than one parent of our committed group other than one parent that worried too much about ever practicing. Um, several of our guys worked out individually with their trainers and 
you know, it's it's it just was more about our thing. The final straw was we just didn't want to get anybody in trouble. Yeah. The nice thing about private gyms is they're private. They can do whatever they want. They're not businesses. They're not out making money. They don't have a business. They don't have a state you know, license with this, the secretary of state. You know, the, to worry about as someone who owns, officially owns three businesses. I mean, I know that I'm regulated by the state of Indiana. You know, and I think I can do whatever I want, but the uh, but the reality of it is, a business has to abide by the regulations, the, the laws, not just the laws, but regulatory matters within a state. And when a governor comes out with an executive order and says, you can't function this way as a business for however period, you know, whatever the period is, you hope it's fair. But the reality is, is that that's the kind of control they have over businesses. You know, me as an individual, I can do whatever I want, but me as an, me as a business owner can't. So the nice thing about these private gyms is, is they're just private gyms. They're just gyms at people's houses. Yeah. So it's a nice luxury to have where we are. Uh, but you know, we still we still didn't do anything off the cuff until it was until it was the right time. And so we've we've been practicing now for three weeks and and. Kids are starting to figure things out, and it's starting to look like a basketball team. So you guys are gearing. Hopefully, up. we get the play. That's what I was gonna say. So you're gearing, yeah, hopefully. gearing up to ready to yeah. go here in July, June, June. We're looking like we're gonna play the final two weeks of June right now. Okay. And don't know, don't fully know yet what our schedule is. I hope to figure that out in the next two days. July being wiped off the books from the NCAA perspective probably means high school coaches will just do their normal weekday workout stuff. But I, I told our parents if, if the NCAA kept July open for that one weekend that I thought that, or maybe even adjusted it and made it two weekends, I thought that college co- I thought the high school coaches would try to have the top 100 and then I thought they would try to have the Charlie Hughes invite and I would have been front and center probably in a lawn chair watching those games because I enjoy those events. But I haven't gotten a final word yet from the IBCA on what they're going to do in July as far as an organization. But you know, right now they're not sure they're going to have any organized event and these schools will just be on their own to do their own thing. Uh, it'll be, um, I don't know if like grand park will have their high school league. They might I'll be there watching games. Yeah. Assuming they let me <laughs> when you're, you know, when you're, when you can get a media credential to regionals, you can, you can quote be essential personnel or essential, right. uh, you know, essential audience. I don't know about <laughs> a league. I I tend to think I could get in there, but but maybe not. I know I'd like to go and watch, but um, that's me. And I'd and I'd wear a mask because I'd be around people that I don't know what their habits are. So I would definitely wear a mask inside, and 
I would take my own seating or just sit on the floor, um, which I don't, I don't mind doing anyway. So yeah, is that what you think most of the events will look like? I mean, are they going to allow all parents in, or how are they going to restrict that kind of stuff too? Do you think? Best guess is they would just let one parent in. Yeah. Use half the courts, or if it's like we did a breakdown. I, I can't remember if I did it with you or if I was talking to somebody else, but like Grand Park, for example, has eight courts. They could probably get it down to. Five if they wanted to. Yeah. But I think they're going to four. Best choice has six. And Fishers, I, my guess is they could use four. The Carmel High School, for example, has eight. They could probably get it down to five because you'd have two in the field house. You'd have the varsity gym. You'd have the auxiliary gym, which is solo or what we used to call the auxiliary gym when we went there. And then you'd have the blue gold gym, which is the gyms above the, the weight room. There's two up there. They would have one. They would, you have one now. So you'd have one in the blue gold, the auxiliary gym, the varsity gym, and two in the field house. So you'd have five. Um, Warren Central, you could have five. Or maybe, no, you'd have four. Because you'd have three in the field house, and you'd have their varsity gym. Fishers and HSE, you'd have five. You'd have two in each field house because they both have two three-court field houses. Uh-huh. And then they have their varsity gym. And they usually run stuff in Noblesville, don't they? Boys and Girls Club. They do that, and then the high school. They probably don't have to do, they probably don't have to do anything. They probably could just use all five. Because it's not school-affiliated, right? Uh, no, no, because no, because Grand Park and Best Choice wouldn't be either. They, yeah, That's they true. can do that because their courts are. There's a lot of runoff. They have curtains in between each court. Their fifth court is is separate, and there's a lot of space in there in between courts. So the one thing they would want to limit, and they would probably still do the one parent thing. Yeah. The one thing they would want to limit is that middle area where the concession stand is, is they probably would try to put something out saying, do not congregate in here. But again, we're getting to a point that by the time, like right now we're in stage three where it's up to a hundred people. We're, we're getting to a point where June 12th, we go into stage four, assuming everything's looking good. That restriction now is 75% capacity in places like that. Maybe in a workout facility or a gym facility, it's still 50%. But, you know, you're, you're talking about that's when we could start having games and we could start having events. So they would probably still do the one-parent deal. And that would, that would, that would limit that traffic in the middle section. Because you wouldn't have the stray brothers and sisters running around. You wouldn't have grandma and grandpa running around. You know, you, you just have one parent. So, And then how are they going to limit, you know, limit uh, scouts and college coaches? Right now there's no college coaches. 
scouts, they probably would just you just talk to the organizer and yeah, and probably have to get a credential going in. They would probably let a set group of people come in. Well, I mean, there's they can do NAIA coaches, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the NAIA level, those guys are do anything. Restrict yourself. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think again, they would probably let coaches come in, and you know, but then those coaches wouldn't have special seating. Yeah. Um. I yeah, I don't. That's how I would handle it. I would let one parent each kid come in. I wouldn't let any stray adults come in. You got to walk in with your kid, pay your 10 bucks, and then show your little stamp or your ticket the rest of the day to get in. And if you if dad leaves and gives it to mom for game 2, yep. <laughs> I would I would do that. You know, you just can't get in without a ticket, and you can't get that ticket unless you walk in with your kid. Yeah. Unless you're credentialed. That's how I would do it. And I would make darn sure I had that in the literature when people sign up, and I'd let every coach know. Um, that's how I try to handle it. At the end of the day, you know, people are going to challenge that. They're going to sneak in. They're going to say, well, I dropped my kid off. I parked. And whether or not somebody at the door lets lets them come in, I don't know, you know. Some events won't care. And it, it might be overkill by then, hopefully. Hopefully it's overkill by then. So far, so good. Yep. Numbers are down. I kind of check them every day. Yep. At the very least, every other day. But we may not fully know until the end of next week or the end of this week when we've opened up a little bit more and more and we're getting in that window when people who maybe have picked it up in the last couple of weeks start to show signs, start to show signs of, of the illness. So. Anyway, EYBL is done for the year. I assume the gauntlet Under Armour will follow suit. The logistics for them are no different. And that leaves it up to local events and regional events where people are driving, and it's not nearly the logistical nightmare of trying to trying to have – 40 teams that rely a great deal on money and logistics from, from one organization to get to where they need to get. So anything else? I think that was all I had for the, the questions on that. A lot of it's unknown still for sure. It is. And then without basketball there's we're kind of running out of things to talk about but hopefully that changes soon um i heard bill simmons his podcast last week he's like we're he said the same thing he's like we know the last dance is done 
like that was a great content driver for for the better part of five weeks and yeah and now you know we were hoping there might be some sports when that was over but not not to be unless you're i mean we could talk about bundesliga soccer yeah, I I've been watching. Kept I've been mouth. watching it. I know. I, <laughs> I know a little bit more about it than I did in five weeks ago, but uh, I've enjoyed it. So, how did uh, are you, Prairie Heights or New Prairie? Me? Where you teach? Yeah, where you teach? I'm a Laville. A Laville. Yeah. Why did I think? Why did I think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. How did they handle graduation? Uh, it's to be determined. They're going to try to do uh, something outside here. Oh, Fourth uh, of July weekend, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So we'll see. How That's not goes. a bad way to do it. Carmel did a drive-through, like almost like a mini parade. Yeah. I don't think all fourteen hundred kids did it, <laughs> or thirteen hundred kids did yeah. it. But Carmel's done a really good job of recognizing their seniors and honestly i would i don't know that i would have cared i was hated graduation was boring um literally because i had to do radio um i had to do radio after uh the day of my graduation party so i was at my my own i was at my own graduation party for 45 minutes nice so just just wasn't much for me back then, and uh, only child in a uh, in a split family. You're just like, yeah, you know, you're good. Get your gifts, go home. <laughs> yep, yep. I actually went Call to a, a day. went to a graduation party for a family friend down in Noblesville last weekend, and and I talked to her a little bit about, well, what do you think about one maybe doing one in July if that's not? She said by then she wouldn't even really care, so it wouldn't be worth it. No, I didn't walk for college either. I just wasn't any interest in me. I mean, I was coaching, so I definitely wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to miss a weekend of coaching to just to get a, wear a gown and get a diploma. Just mail it to me. Just make sure you sign it. It was good. (laughs) So, well, I think that wraps up episode 14, unless you've got anything else. Not tonight. I don't think so. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us a uh, rating if you, and a review if you get a chance. And as always, Zach Tyler, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.